Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. To the mid-season finale for Supernatural The Crossroads, Season 14, Episode 9, The Spear. I am your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Michael Flores. Hello, Thomas. Hello, and a happy holidays to everybody as we come to the close of 2018. Walking into our trap of our own when we go to our family's house. Oh, that's the (laughs) ultimate trap. (laughs) You can't escape, you have to go in, and you know it's not going to be pleasant. That's true. It's a metaphor for life. So, is it, oh, is that what Robert Barron's was doing this week? It was a metaphor for the, <laughs> the shitty the holiday holidays. season. I think that's why it starts with you know Christmas music and then bloodshed. That's a good point. <laughs> this is a man that really hates Christmas. <laughs> you know, honestly though, it was nice to have a little bit of a Christmas theme to this episode. I think that worked in a lot of different ways, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit. But I I don't think we've had that from shit, dude. Season three. It's been a while. I think that was the only episode that had like a Christmas actual concept yeah. as part of it. Rather than like season 12 had that dream with Crowley. That's right. Yeah. It's been quite but some time. It's been a while. And with the mid-season finale, we got a lot of different answers. We had the the dab and the whole crew delivered a powerful mid-season closer. Left us with dread, intrigue, arousal. Arousal? Ex- arousal. You know you were a little, like, waiting for it when he was going to snap his fingers. Yeah. You're a little... I was hoping Dean penetrated Michael. <laughs> With the spear, Thomas. With the spear. Come on. Oh, sure. Right. That. Uh, but they also gave us, you know, the the holiday feel. Christmas in, in Kansas City is yeah. apparently horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I really like this. Because th- I think that's why we like Robert Barron's and Glenn... Uh, Meredith Glenn so much because they speak to our inner darkness. The macabre. I mean, they give us this festive episode. You know, first Christmas episode we receive, we've received in, in decades, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, all this Christmas cheer, and then they fuck with us. Yeah, and they give us all coal by the end of the episode because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't earned it. We've been, we've been bad. It's just a betrayal of emotions. You know, it's like contradictory emotions is what is a, probably a better way of saying that. But that, you know, by design, so it doesn't hurt as bad. Right. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, guys, here's some Christmas uh, cheer. <laughs> now eat some fucking coal, motherfuckers. You know, and in Baron's traditional style, we had we had some feels, but we also had that Kripke coolness with the Ode to Joy music that was Christmas themed a little bit, too. It was fun. Into it. it was hip. It was fun. And it was hip. That's something that I feel like the show has kind of teetered away from. Uh, when you compare it to the five first mm-hmm. five seasons, Kripke is a cool motherfucker and he is, he's, yeah. he has the hip swagger. He has it all. The guy is a talented dude and he's cool as hell. 
And since he's left, the show has kind of lost a little bit of that cool factor. The cool friend moved to a different school, and now it's just like the dorks again. Oh, oh come on. Well, like by comparison in this metaphor. Right. But then Not you get really. a, but then you get that episode like this, and I love that Barron's was playing into that Kripke esque cool factor. And it's something that Barron's is able to do. Um, he's a cool dude. He's able to write some great, fantastic, cool scenes. And I feel like ultimately for this introduction into our mid season finale, or I'm not, not mid, not introduction, but our, our this cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. Mid season finale. I, I feel like it worked. Yeah. And he did something that we are very, very appreciative of, which is bringing all the lingering plot threads, which this season has done a great job so far. Things that we had a lot of questions about from seasons 12, 13 are brought back and, and tied up. In nice little packages for Christmas to be tucked under the tree. Mm-hmm. We got Dark Kaya being brought back into the story, not leaving any of that lying around and asking what the hell. We had answers to the issue of Dean and possession, where did and why Michael let him go in the first place. We got an explanation as to what exactly his plan is with the monsters, which is surprisingly dark. And we also got a little bit of more insight with Castiel. And the deal he's made and the ramifications for that moving forward. So, and the thing is, it's it, what I love about the season so far is they've done, and nothing's been left sitting around. We have not been sitting here like, okay, well, what the fuck happened to this concept from episode two and yeah. this concept from episode four? They're not just left and in the wind. Everything has been built up. Even the implied return of Lucifer and the possibility of an even greater villain with Abraxas being introduced, each one of these have been placed in a perfect setup for the second half of the season to really deliver some strong story. And honestly, this is how you fucking do that. This season here. This is one of the best mid-season finales we've probably had in close to a decade. Yeah, for sure. That's a lot. Yeah, and the reason why is because there it's not it's not one of the wowest episodes. And I think that's no. the strength of the season. They're not trying to wow you with every single episode and the mid-season finale. They're not trying to wow you. They're just trying to deliver a solid story, which has been the case for many years, you know, with giving us that wow episode at the end, but because of the previous 8 episodes that have all been so tight, and specifically designed to keep the entire season consistent and on track, that's why you don't need an epic mid-season send-off. All you need to do is take all of those elements that's been sizzling on that back burner and bring them to a head before going to break. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, last season and the season before that, they're worrying about misdirection and what they're going to do here. Hey, guys, don't worry about what we have in this hand over here. This is really what we're doing. And they focus so much on those wow moments. And I Mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like that's what hurt the last two seasons is you have a showrunner that that would introduce an an idea and let it sit for three or four episodes. And then suddenly on that fifth episode or sixth episode of not actually dealing with the immediate Mm -hmm. problem or the thing that was introduced, suddenly we're reminded about this threat And it just made us feel very, it made the episode feel very inconsistent and us lost in, in terms of understanding the characterizations of, of Dean and Sam at points. There were moments where we're like, well, is Dean depressed? Is he happy? Is he angry? 
what is it? And it's because they would wait three or four episodes before tackling something that was introduced because they wanted to give you mediocre episodes and then those wow episodes. Mm -hmm. And this season, they have thrown that out the window and said, we're going to focus on just delivering a solid, cohesive, well-focused story throughout the opening nine episodes. And all of it will matter by the end. Yeah. And again, it, it comes down to the key word of the year or season, which is focus. Yeah. When I look back at season 12. It really 12, is the key word this season, isn't it? <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah. When I look at season 12, the mid-season finale, it was the president out of nowhere, start to finish. Yeah. Wow. Sam and Dean went against the Secret Service kind of idea. It was idea. weird. It's season so 13 weird. was stronger, but again, that's yeah. kind of, now it gets demerits because that was building towards something that never came about. Yeah. Unfortunately. But without that that string holding it together, it's just shock and awe. Yeah. And so many of the other episodes in that season didn't really amount to much. Yeah. So I'm loving it. I really think it's just really great writing. Yeah. And I'm happy because we are big Robert Barron's fans. I'm happy that he was the one that they used to tie all of that stuff together for the right. next season finale. Right. And we'll get into all that. But of course, we've got some news and this is some big news that has surfaced so a spoiler alert if you are somebody who is against spoilers in any way this is a massive one okay really fast thomas in my book did you find out about this by accident i found out about it last night by accident is that when ryan sent you a message about no. it okay no, no no so you didn't know i didn't know until yeah. someone i was at a christmas party last night and someone's like so i hear bleep and i'm like you fuck yeah i'm a bit I'm a bit frustrated, but see, here's I, the thing. Why don't we talk about the news? And <laughs> so just but clear spoiler alert, and you'll have to jump ahead a couple of minutes until we get to our actual discussion if you don't want to know. But other than that, the big news is that John Winchester, Jeffrey Dean Morgan will be returning to Supernatural's 300th episode. All right. And this the thing is, my problem with this as far as spoilers go, is that the news is now spoilers to drum up excitement for its show. Yeah. There is no like, hey, we're really happy about what we did with, you know, some of the stuff coming up and let's and pull a J.J. Abrams where it's like, well, you better pay attention and find out. And, you know, our actors really went above and beyond and, and tease things. It's just like, hey, no, here's the actor we've got. Here's, yeah. a, here's a picture of Lucifer's cage from season 11. Whoa, whoa. That, that wasn't like, the cage, though. That was the, oh, it was the, the, it was a magician another show, show on another stage it was another TV show. You know, hey, Rowena's coming back through this Instagram no, she's tweet not. She's or not Instagram post. Her, her Twitter account got hacked. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it was always the news today is just spoilers. I don't think people understand what news actually is now on the same note i get it because it's promotion it's promotion and nothing's going to get the internet ablaze for supernatural fans like hey jeffrey dean morgan's coming back because he did do that when he sent out a tweet that shared the cover of a script that he's going to be a part of yeah first at the 300th episode i'm wondering if he didn't have permission to do that because it wasn't until after that script i believe mm -hmm. it wasn't until after he tweeted that out that we then got confirmation that he was, in fact, going to return to the show. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it by himself because he's kind of big enough to get away with he's it. Fuck it. What and are you going to do? Two, fire me? They know that Supernatural fans are all over the Internet. So probably that would go faster 
him sending a tweet would probably be faster yeah. than them doing a press conference or a press release. And honestly, this is where people like us, we just don't matter. Like we're no. the people that are watching every week. We have stuck with this show for 14 years. It's been a great show for most of, it. Most of the 14 years. And we're going to watch regardless. So when people do tweets like this and promotion, especially from a big name like Jeffrey Dean fucking Morgan, he's a he's an A-lister. Um, they, they don't care about us. No. And I'm not saying that as a negative. They care no, about just a fact. They care about the reason why they're bringing him on. They're bringing him on to create excitement so that the 300th episode ratings is through the roof. And the only way they're going to do that is by promoting that Jeffrey Dean Morgan's coming back for this episode. They yeah. don't they don't care about us because yeah. we're already watching. And I'm and that sounds very negative. I'm not saying that as a negative, but I'm saying when it comes to the business side of things, we're already here. They don't care. They, they, right. We're already It's here. just a fact. They don't care about the audience they already have. The marketing yeah. job is to get the audience they don't yet have. Right. And that's exactly what a what an actor like Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to do. And and never mind the fact that he's 20 times more popular yeah, now, now because of The Walking Dead. Which is such a twist of fate shame yeah. to a lot of us. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's the business. It is what it is. So Andrew Dabb went on to say, we're incredibly excited to have Jeffrey back for this milestone episode and think fans will love what we have planned for his character and a few other surprise guest stars. Now, here's something. I'm not sure if this is the, the article, mm-hmm. but if if you listen to our pre-show, right. says executive producer Andrew Dabb. Oh. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm still doing FaceTime, okay? I'm still here to promote the show. Ba- does Barry, say showrunner. Uh, I'm showrunner. Uh-huh. Why does it say executive producer? Listen, I'm still collecting the check. Someone else is writing the show. But are you doing the work? Uh, <laughs> when you say word, do you mean like feeding my face? No, yeah. that's that's not work. That's just disgusting. Listen to the pre-show <laughs> if you if you want to know yeah. why we're even talking about this. Yeah, but I, I wanted to make a note of that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the episode called Lebanon explores the Kansas town where the bunker is located and reveals what the town's residents think of the two weirdos who live there. We talked about this. We knew this was going to be one of them. I think oh, come we on, didn't two weirdos. Know. Is anybody really looking at Sam and Dean like they're weirdos? You they're live like, in a bunker, dude. Yeah, but also they're good looking dudes. I, I gotta think. Nobody that says most... you didn't want to bang the weirdo. Oh, okay. N- weirdo is not a word you you attach to two good looking dudes. Maybe he's he's mysterious and eccentric. Str- yeah, they're brooding and and mysterious. He lives in a bunker. He doesn't have a house. Maybe if he's dangerous. Maybe if the uh, the journalist for the EW that actually wrote this article was trying to um, to write fan fiction, maybe that's how they would write it. Okay, maybe. The two residents think of these two burly these, men. <laughs> burly. I mean, what? I forgot. I'm writing an article for EW, not my fan fiction. <laughs> Sorry. Alt tab, other page. Uh, it says we had a lot to talk. Uh, we had a lot of talk about it, and we're pretty much knew that we weren't going to top the 200th episode with music. So we decided to go in a really different direction. The idea that we know that the bunker is in Lebanon, Kansas, but we've never been to Lebanon, Kansas, uh, to see Lebanon for the first time, and some of the people in it. Uh, Bob Singer says teased a few weeks ago about the 300th episode. It's much. It's a much more personal story and kind of a more emotional story than the 200th. So it's a good deal different, but we're really happy with it, and I think it's going to turn out great. 
And that's true. The 200th episode was fun. Wording, more than anything though, else. Thomas. Wording. Yeah. We're not going to top the 200th don't, episode. I feel like don't he, say he that. probably should have said, you know what? The 200th episode was so fucking great that we're not going to try to return to, to the formula well. with that. Yeah. We're going to try something different. But when he says we are not going to be able to top it, it sounds we're not like that good anymore. Hey guys, so fuck it. We just are talentless. That's what it sounds like he was saying. <laughs> we suck. All our good people left three years ago. So and Dab used all our whiteboards for for dining room tables. <laughs> now, we we talked about this before when that was first announced that Lebanon there was going to be an episode. Yeah, I'm excited from that. So we we've talked about that. We don't have a lot of time to get into all of this, but we do have some thoughts as to how this should work. First. This can absolutely work in a big way. But that being said, the biggest hesitation is to how they're going to do it. Primarily, I think, with John Winchester. How yeah. do you bring a character back in a meaningful way who's this legendary? Yeah. Not even iconic. He's fucking legendary for Supernatural fans. The legacy of John Winchester has lived on throughout beyond, the last 14 years. Beyond his time on the show. How yeah. do you do that service without it feeling like cheap? fan service like how, how do you do that justice or does it become just this this hey he's here wasn't that fun you know yeah they kind of had that with chuck but chuck showed up with the 200th episode but he did show up later in a plot relevant way yeah is it going to be something similar to that i can't imagine them bringing jeffrey dean morgan in for three seconds to say What's up, boys? Yeah. <laughs> Just like, that's it. And that's why I'm Mary, are you very, fucking Bobby? I see what you're doing over there, Bobby. <laughs> Who the fuck are you anyways? You're, what the fuck is AU, Bobby? What is that shit? Yeah. Just blast him I with a cult. Ten, I'm gone for 10 years and this shit happens? <laughs> fucking alternate reality versions of my best buddy? Fucking my wife? I fucking lived 30 fucking years of misery trying to save your soul, goddammit. <laughs> and you repay me by fucking my fake best friend? Oh, that's some shit when you think about it that way. But yeah, you better watch out, man. He's Negan now. Dude, oh, He's taking shit. that bat to his dome. You know, and these these are things that the writers really do need to deal with. And no doubt they've grappled with these very concepts. How do we For do sure. this right? Yeah. Before finally making the decision to actually write the character into the script. I'm sure whoever pitched John Winchester in the writing room already had an entire idea idea mapped out. Not had, on a whiteboard. Not on the whiteboard because <laughs> that's being used. So they had to use um, slides. <laughs> Index cards. <laughs> Index cards. They use a projector with slides. And yeah. they're like, hey, this is what we have planned. You're not going to walk into the room and say, hey, guys, John Winchester. Because if I was yeah. the showrunner, yeah. I'd be like, fuck, oh, fuck off. We are not bringing him back for this celebration just that's, to say that's hi. That's pretty much what this is. This is just a landmark event. This isn't anything relevant to the story. It's a landmark event, and it should be fun. But when you bring in John Winchester, suddenly you take that fun to a very serious level. You can't just have fun with John Winchester. Any other character, even with Chuck, he was brought mm. in for fun. Yeah. Eventually, they were able to tie it in. But these are the problems that are presented when you bring in a character like John Winchester. And I have full confidence in that writing room this year. They're not going to do anything that destroys the legacy, but I hope this doesn't take away from yeah. any potential return. That's my, at the close of the show. That's that my, my biggest, biggest fear. concern, dude. Having him show up in the 300th, while that could be great. And even if they do it well, 
mm-hmm. awesome. I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to love it, but right. does that risk him showing up at the the ultimate end of the show for some really powerful moments? Yeah. You know, and like you said, I think the showrunners this year have done a very, or the, the writers this year have done a very good job with not. They're not going to feed us shit. They're not going to give us they, a shit They haven't sandwich. fucked us over this year with anything stupid like that. So I I think they're going to do good. Yeah, nobody in that room wants to fuck up the legacy of John Winchester. There's not Could you one... imagine the fallback? Oh, the show would be over, dude. It, 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 it's a wrap. If they were to fuck up the John Winchester legacy, the show is fucking over. <laughs> you can't have a show yeah. that was built on him. Truly. First episode. Especially for the first three years, he mm-hmm. was so relevant and and then destroy the legacy in one episode. They they just won't do it. And honestly, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has said time and time again that he would come back if the script was good. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel good. He doesn't need to have this cameo or this guest spot. He the doesn't guy, need the money. The guy has a very filled up schedule. He's working in films and TV shows. There's so much going on in his world that he doesn't need to come back for a paycheck. So he is coming back because of his passion for this show that essentially launched his career. Yeah. And the script must be good. And that's why I'm fucking stoked because you're not going to have this guy come in to do some hack guest spot. It's going to be amazing. But I'm hoping that whatever they do doesn't take away from the eventual return. Yeah. At the end of the season or at the end of the show. And this is just our own fan wants. I think you and yeah, I have always said that we have to have John Winchester come back by the end in some yes, way. Yes. We've said that since we started this show. So we'll see what they do with that. I, I think it's it's okay to be positive and to be upbeat. Again, we do wish that it wasn't news wasn't just spoilers these days. Yeah. But because imagine seeing that without knowing. Well, look at the Rob Benedek. Yeah. With Chuck, nobody he knew. He flat out lied to us. Nobody knew. He, he did lie he to us. He fucking lied I to us. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. During the interview, yeah. he had already uh-huh. filmed. He had already filmed that episode. And he said. Fucking liar. And he said, no, there's no <laughs> chance of him coming back. See, and that made that awesome. It really did. Because imagine if he told us. Because remember, I remember going and recording that episode afterwards. I was sitting here. I was like, that was amazing. And then I realized that lion sack of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and look how surprised and happy we were when he made that little tiny cameo appearance. Yeah, at the very end of the episode, it made all of us just jizz ourselves. Beat off. Yeah, we were already super stoked about the high levels of emotion behind that, that episode. episode. Yeah, and the and just the the fun nature of the episode, and then they end it with with something A cherry on top. Yeah, imagine if they did that with John Winchester. I mean, that, yeah. And that's why I get mad at the news these days. But we're going to discuss and break that entire concept down a little bit more in a future Patreon discussion. So stay tuned for that. And in fact, it is the holiday season. It is the giving season. So why not help everybody out, your friends, yourself? Does that mean you can't receive? Because no, if it's the giving season. You can receive as well. Okay. You can receive as well. Because sometimes I like to just lay down and receive. There's a Patreon tier for that. Right. You're receiving so much content. We do all the work. You just lay back and listen. And receive. And receive. <laughs> so if you want to get more Supernatural Crossroads, help us out. Help everybody out and make everyone happy this holiday season. We're going to do something special for you as well. We are giving away Supernatural The Crossroads t-shirts when you pledge $10 or more in December. 
That's right. If you pledge $10 or more a month, you will receive a free Crossroads tee. And if you pledge before December 24th, which this is going to be the last broadcast really before that outside of Patreon, you will receive a free Supernatural Trivial Pursuit game courtesy of the folks at USAopoly. Supplies are very limited on that, so do not wait. The shirt and the game will be delivered to you after your first payment is processed. And so, Thomas, they are very limited. Sale That isn't a sales pitch. We are limited with the amount that we can give. So the sooner you pledge before the 24th, the better. The better for you. So you will receive the video cast, podcast retrospective, the specialty discussions, the monthly bonus Crossroads podcast, the Crossroads pre-show, the Cinematography of Supernatural podcast, the monthly 10-minute at the Crossroads minicast, the Supernatural the Crossroads t-shirt, and the Trivial Pursuit game, all when you pledge just $10 or more a month. Now, this is only open to Patreon subscribers, to new Patreon subscribers, and upgrades are eligible. And we do ask that you guys stay subscribers for a minimum of three months. Help us get through the holidays. Keep the heat going. Arizona does get cold, surprisingly. But if you guys are interested in any of that... For about four weeks. For about four weeks. That's what we need it for. So head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to get into our discussion about episode nine, The Spear, in just a moment. Playing. says the abuse abuse occurred after the diocese of buffalo received a complaint about the priest from another alleged victim in 1980 jesus what does the priest have with a gun like why does he have a gun is it the same the guy that was paying for hookers <laughs> that's a pastor <laughs> i can I, keep my pimp hands that's, strong that's different i mean i'm i'm fucking hot bitches this guy is a sicko trying to get on kids. Yeah, sometimes I pay and the bitch don't want to put out. I'll put so a I'll... smack down on the bitch, but I won't touch a kid. <laughs> I ain't into that shit. That's yeah. some white shit. That's white shit. White problem. That's why. <laughs> Hashtag white problem. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Saturday. And this is something that Supernatural, I don't think, has ever really had a big problem with. Right. It, all of its monsters, a lot of shows have procedural elements. We've talked about this before on the show. There's a level of responsibility on his head as someone that is a metahuman and uses his powers for good. She's Force-sensitive, but she's not a Jedi. If you've been watching Rebels, you see that happen. Uh, during a roundtable interview with reporters yesterday... The Flash executive producer, Andrew Kreisberg, revealed that Kevin Smith's... However, race is important in the Dark Tower universe, and the relationship between Susanna Dean and Roland centers around the color of their skin. 
Catch up on your favorite Rain Man digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rain Man Channel 001. Listen from the Rain Man digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open Sesame! Yeah, I'm just going to mind meld with you and I'm going to take your thoughts. My thoughts to your thoughts and your thoughts. Your thoughts? Your thoughts. Your thoughts to mine. Well, just, just don't uh, look into the corner where, you know, the the fantasy of Guinan in my dark mind is right there. Well, so. Guinan? <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's so many other hot women in Star Trek. Go for Guinan? <laughs> wow, David. Jesus. Guinan was hot, man. Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? She is so. <laughs> wow, David. I like to learn under her. Oh, you want to get inside of her skirts? Her giant Amish-like robes. <laughs> Amish, like that—that's the thing. It's the mystery. What's no, underneath? That? I don't need to know what's underneath that. <laughs> Michelle Forbes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Doctor Crusher in the movies, yes. It, but it's the mystery. It's the mystery. I You're like, how you going? You know, is there a big booty? David, there? some mysteries are better off. Never know. <laughs> Never know. Star Trek from the Holodeck, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Go to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or Patreon.com slash RainmanDigital. End simulation. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to AdamandEve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, DEAL30, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And for your viewing pleasure, six free spicy movies on DVD. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. So go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code DEAL30. Again, that's DEAL30. Because without it, no free stuff. That's DEAL30 at adamandeve.com. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. I really complain about that. I was just super bummed that she was old. And, as uh, you would be. As she wasn't as be. hot as she was last time. And she looked le- she looked more like the old version of... What's uh, the chick in Kill Bill? The one that has... Oh, the eye, I, the eye I, I know who you're talking Thurman? Yeah. Wait, which one? The uh, Daryl Hannah? Yeah, Daryl Hannah. <laughs> she looks like a... Sidewinder? Yeah, she looks like an old beat up version of Sidewinder. Old beat up version of Sidewinder. Well, don't be, you know so what, there's rude. no room for ageism in this show. Ageism. That's a new one. That's not actually. That's it's a been, real it's thing. Been, it's been around for many years. Oh, Jesus. That's not a fake word. <laughs> it sounds like a fake word. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Racism. Nice one, Mike. I'm glad you made that one up, too. As if people get offended by what's, when you degrade them for how old they are. <laughs> look, now get back she in looked, there and make me a sandwich. She looked like she'd be the one that would drive backwards down the freaking highway because okay. she could barely. See, that is what we call ageism, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, it's, tr- it's more like truthism. <laughs> Go to Sun City here in Arizona. <laughs> Go to Sun City in Arizona. You'll see it. She probably lives there. Oh, for fuck's Lily sake. was like, I gotta come from Arizona. Anyway, regardless of Ryan's, <laughs> hold on, I'll help you guys views. after I take my blood pressure medicine. <laughs> <laughs> 
got to take my Geritol real quick. Oh. <laughs> you guys have an extra walker I can use? I left oh, mine in Arizona. Walk. I left mine in Arizona. <laughs> That's so funny. They made it's me terrible. check it when, when I went through the... I had to go through the, the machine and my pacemaker might have gets... Oh, for fuck's so. sake. I hope someone... Horrible makes fun of you when you're old. Like just just throw shit you know at what? you. I'm gonna be the crotchety old guy that laughs at those jokes though, because I look like I'm old, dude. You, at that point, you, you, you've lived just about everything, right? You've so lived just, just about everything. You might as well make fun of yourself, dude. I'm gonna have like a replacement hip. Shit, my mom has a replacement hip. Now I'm making fun of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> He's just digging himself. <laughs> so as Ryan tries to backpedal out of that Sorry, grave, my mom doesn't listen to this. Whatever show. they have done. <laughs> With Meredith Glenn. Like, that's what we're worried about. Yeah, I know. His mom's <laughs> ratings. Please, don't have, please, we don't want to offend Ryan's mother. Ages. That's where we draw Who the line. spawn this piece of shit? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to discuss Season 14, Episode 9, The Spear, the mid-season finale. Directed by Eamon Catrolli, written by Robert Behrens. Sam and Dean enlist the help of their pal Garth to gain inside information on what Michael may be planning. The brothers split up to each go after weapons that can aid in their fight against the Archangel, but this may be a fight our heroes cannot win. That's really fucking dark. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Now, it talks to me. <laughs> the darkness? Yes. <laughs> now, Eamon Catrolli has been doing a fantastic job since his uh, first appearance in season 12, quickly building up a strong body of work. We've got Ladies Drink for Free, which despite the writing us not being the biggest fan of, we liked his direction in that episode. Uh, Season 13, Breakdown, which was our favorite episode of that season. Episode 18, Bring Him Back Alive. And just this season, he also did Mint Condition, the 80s slasher throwback and fan I think a fan favorite. Absolutely. Uh, for uh, sure. Our, one of our favorites is yeah. fun. And it was a marketing stroke of genius. Yeah. I mean, all the things they can do with that. And and I think truthfully, I everybody can agree that Breakdown is the episode to beat for him. Yeah. But this episode comes, it comes pretty close. It's a different style. And that's the only big difference, really. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, you know, it really never ceases to amaze us that after 14 years they still manage to turn up the heat on an episode to the point where you are on the edge of your seat i know mike actually like physically was as he was, was. watching it i was antsy but we're, we know we're waiting for something bad to happen nobody goes into the mid-season finale or the finale thinking this will go well that's never how any right. of us think and yet they still manage to bring those primal desires out of us that we are sitting here waiting to see what happened, waiting to see it all go south, get your heartbeat going. And this episode did a really good job of that as well. Yeah, and to me that's the strength of the episode is the fact that they were they were relying on everything we already know rather than trying to build up something new and do a sneak attack or try to build up you know, narrative misdirection. They Some actually fast attempt at yeah, tricking us. They actually focused on everything that we know is going to happen. They weren't trying to fool us. We already knew what was going to happen. And that's the genius of the episode because they're playing on those moments and we are waiting. We are physically sitting there waiting for the bad shit to happen. And not like mm-hmm. previous seasons where we know something bad is going to happen because it's a season finale. 
But we actually know what's going to happen. It wouldn't have mattered when this episode aired. It played good for them. Whereas some people may say, oh, it's predictable. They were purposely relying on the predictability. Well, even even in this episode, Michael's sitting there, sitting in the chair, waiting for them. Yeah. Knowing it's they're coming in. Come on. Any moment now. What's taking you guys so long? Like, it wasn't trying to be anything else. Yeah, and th- this was such a stressful episode to watch because we knew that the bad things were going to happen. And instead of trying to misdirect, as I just said, they chose to own the obvious and make it work in the show's favor. Well, like Michael even said, he wanted them to see the show. Yeah. He said that exact phrase. I mean, the fact that we knew that Dean's happiness was not going to last long, we knew that things would get not go well with Garth. We knew that essentially the moment that Sam brought him out of retirement, it was going to be for the wrong reasons or or something bad was going to happen. And I do like that little moment that Sam had where he's telling us in a way that doesn't feel like exposition. It's actually him talking to Dean about his guilt mm-hmm. at that time, that he's the one who brought him out of retirement for this. And that's sticking to Sam's struggle this season of being a leader. Being a leader means you make tough calls that affect other people's lives. This is, this is exactly that Garth has a kid at this point, a family. Yeah. But to do the right thing to, to try and save more people, he's asking a soldier to go into battle in a way that very easily puts his life at risk. There's going to be a form of attrition to that. And, and knowing Sam, he already blames himself for that. Yeah. For feeling guilty because he put Garth in that situation. That is his journey as a character this season. How to deal with leadership, how to assume that responsibility and not let it eat him up yeah, inside. And I'm hoping they um they continue to work with that. I think that's an interesting part of Sam's development this year, his personal story arc outside of the obvious narrative for both Sam and Dean, right. the immediate problems and the immediate tr- trials that they must face every episode but then you have the more intimate side you have dean focusing on his the issue of being the post possession of michael anger dealing with anger and fear that he's never had before right and then with sam you have this guy who's come out of a shell in a way that we've never seen him before and he's taking those leadership reins but what all good leaders military leaders learn very fast is that the weight of death always becomes heavier than they might have originally thought it previously would be. thought and if they continue to take it that route where you have sam struggling with the guilt of losing members of his army his group of hunters mm-hmm. i mean that could be just a great way to just make sam feel that much more complete throughout the season or do you have a, you know, you can't handle the truth moment where he becomes a little bit darker because he can't, for the sake of himself, for the sake of others, for the sake of the mission, you can't take every death so personally. Yeah. Does that change Sam as a person in any respect over this season or next? And that's and that's what, if people aren't quite clear on what, on what we're saying. You know, I, I know we've received a few messages about what do they mean? What do we mean by focused and nuanced? We keep saying this, but this is an example of nuanced. Yeah. They're not just worrying about, they have a, a strategy. They have a main, the main plan, 
But just because you have a main plan, you don't forget and keep our characters just surface level. You got to give them some substance. And that's exactly what they're doing. And that's a nuanced approach to writing Sam. The difference would have been if this was a previous season 12 or 13 episode, Sam would have just said, all right, Garth's in position. Yeah. And we wouldn't have seen the struggle on his and face. And that would have been it. And there wouldn't have been the, the whole, he would have just been a leader and that's it. Like, look, for example, in season 12, how do we know Sam was a leader? Because we heard it. Dab talk about it in an interview mm-hmm. that Sam that is going to find final... himself in the leadership position this season. He's going to finally come out on his own and be a leader. But we didn't actually see that until the end. The when very he took second control. to last episode. Right. Yeah. And then last season, we really didn't see it at all. We saw a man that had a very good head on his shoulders. He was level headed. But this season, they're actually showing, not telling. Yes. And they're peeling back those layers. And that's what we mean by a focused and nuanced story this year. Yeah. It, it's nicer to see that. Yeah. And, you know, dis, despite seeing how this episode was going to unfold pretty obviously, it didn't make it any less fun to watch it. You know, the, In a good the, way. the nuanced <laughs> approach to the season's narrative, not letting episodes just be lie by night that so much of season 13 was really guilty for. That just happened to be, eh, this event happened. Yeah. It's not related to anything else. Well, it creates a disconnect within the audience. Yeah, absolutely it does. And at this point, like, we knew where we were going, but we were all there right with Sam and Dean and Jack and Castiel in the garage saying, all right, we're all here. We've built up to this. We know the fuck we're going into. We know it's a problem. Buckle up. Like, it... It works in a different way. It doesn't with the world being so unveiled before us over 14 years, you don't have the same level of mystery as is the yellow eyed demon going to show up in the mid season finale, you know, you know, that kind of right. Does, is the cult really going to work? What are you making across the Canyon? Like (laughs) now it's more of, we know we're here. Let's hope this goes as best as it can because we have no other options. Yeah. Really? And and that's, that's the goal in that writing room. That should be the goal. And obviously, that's exactly how they're doing it. They feel the exact same way. And last, As you mentioned, last season just had so many episodes that made us just feel disconnected from the main myth arc. And then when they finally do give us that episode, as I said at the beginning, oh, that's a really cool episode. But it doesn't feel consistent. Well, season 13 is a great example. It was a great episode to see the multiverse right. with episode nine, the mid-season right. finale. And yeah. it was cool. But what the, f- but, but going into it, we were all wondering, how is this all going to play together with everything else? And then it didn't. Yes. And, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing else you can say about it, but the, the consist- bad place never mattered other than, Hey, no. look at this cool dinosaur footprint. And isn't King Kong's cousin really angry. But in this episode, we had it build up. We know where we're going. It reminded me of season 13 or six, Jesus season three at the very end when they were going to fight Lilith and Dean's clock was kicking down. Yeah. We know we're walking into a firestorm, but we don't have any fucking choice. Yeah. So kick on the Christmas music and let's just go upstairs. Yeah. The consistency. Let's hope that is the reason why the mid season felt so strong, because if they had given us the last season type of episodes where it's one or two episodes that wow you and then a few episodes where it's like okay it's fun i get what you're doing Mm -hmm. all right it's great but there isn't no there isn't any consistency we wouldn't have the meat the mid-season finale wouldn't have worked as well as it did yeah this week it worked because of what had been set up previously 
Right. And with that, let's talk about the big reveal that we everybody was waiting for and we truthfully called weeks ago now, months, that Dean has been repossessed by Michael. Michael left a back door open. Oh. Just, ah, just oh. a crack in the back door. Oh, oh. that's how you get in. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the big debate all season was what happened with Michael and, and what did he do to Dean and how is that all going to play? And it had been left sprinkled throughout the season. And, and the great thing is the little visionary, you know, disconnect that Dean goes through where he's like stumbling and, and having kind of vertigo set up. And in the same episode, finding out that Michael can see through the other monsters who have consumed his grace and have been removed of their weaknesses makes all of what he's doing feel a lot more coherent. Yep. It makes sense. A lot of it works together a hell of a lot better. And it was, it's like we, we knew what was going to happen with that, but the fact that he did it this way, that he just left a way for him to completely crush Dean is, is very, a, very well done and, and a great way to show his character as a villain. Yeah. I, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking because it was very malicious. Like it's dark. why is he, and why is he like that? Because even the other angels before Michael, or I should say the archangels of our universe, mm-hmm. probably a better way of saying that. Sure, they did some things that that we as humans may call Evil. unethical. Yeah, perhaps maybe wrong. If yes, non moral. But there wasn't an evilness to it. There wasn't. Yeah, I'm going to make you suffer. Like this, Michael is a bad seed. Well, see, the thing is, it's not even to me. It's not even Lucifer is somebody who wants you to suffer. Michael is that other kind of villain where it's like you are so irrelevant. He doesn't care. Yeah, you're an insect, and that's essentially what. He said Lucifer is the guy who tortured bugs. <laughs> Michael's the guy who just stepped on him and didn't think about it. Yeah. And and that's kind of what he did with Dean. With this, and it's also an interesting bit of lore that kind of... It is. I saw some people complaining about some of this stuff on social media because shock, right? But... Yeah. You know, Thomas, <laughs> there is no room for redefining canon there's no room for adding to lore because to everybody out there who likes to complain on social media um there's no room for originality you must always use what has been established and never add to it or develop it any further because then we're going to consider it jumping the shark anytime there's a new fucking idea oh you jumped the shark you don't even understand what they're doing i said it it makes me angry thomas yeah because i feel like this is really smart the fact that Michael created a a way to jump back inside, right? Which, like we said, he has, between Dean and these other monsters, that he can completely control those other monsters. And it's not like, Thomas, they just dropped it on us. Oh, ha, ha, ha. I've been concocting a plan yes. where I can just jump right back we into since episode whenever two. I wanted. They've been leading all of Michael's things that he's been doing, everything he's doing to monsters has explained this thing not i'm not sure what the logistics are still meaning well, how it all works but we don't really magic but there's a few <laughs> things there was no angel smoke nothing that would clearly state a new possession i think it's safe to assume it's almost like what he's done to the monsters essentially diluting what makes monsters 100 percent in control by having them consume mm-hmm. portions of his That's a virus 
He leaves yes. a virus in the host. And, and that therefore, way he can just jump from host and to host. what did we say? What did I say weeks ago? That the idea that he he'd have the ability to jump. He has limitless hosts that he could theoretically jump into at any time without consent. Right. Because part of that, they carry his grace because Dean doesn't need to say yes anymore. If I put your he, grace, if I put my grace in you just once, that means forever. That means it's like a ring. It, you yeah. can't take it off. It means consent forever. <laughs> it means consent forever. Now lay back and receive. Oh. What? <laughs> I don't know but why. This, He's a redneck. I know, right? For some reason, Michael's a hillbilly now. But this is exactly the, I mean, I like that we've called this. We we said this was made sense. It seems like a great villain thing yeah. to do. And it ups the stakes because Dean, the thing that kept Lucifer away from Sam for all of, almost all of season five was that Sam needed to say yes. And Lucifer was going to torture him until he got it. Michael circumvented that. Again, it's not even important to him. He's going to find a way around it. And with each one of those monsters, allowing him to see what they see, control what they are going to do what he wants them to do he has this limitless amount of bodies in his entire army it's not even his army of monsters it's michael's army of himself he became sauron like the eye he did the all-seeing eye he He knows where you are yep you can't escape his minions are everywhere and he's more powerful than you yeah i think it's excellent i mean what a threat the the predictability is what worked for this episode. It like you like you mentioned, Michael was literally waiting. Yeah, that's what we were doing, and I like the idea of Michael being able to see through these monsters. And oh I'm, yeah, I, and I'm that's assuming cool. again, it's not completely clear yet. I'm sure it'll be made a little bit more clear next uh, next few episodes. Ne- yeah, during the next half of of the season, but I'm guessing. He can use these monsters as well as Dean temporarily yeah. as vessels whenever. Yeah. Dude, it's almost like jumping. what, like a, like a gateway within their bodies. N- yes. No smoke, just like portal jumping essentially. Right. Yeah. That's what it looks like. I mean, that's fucking cool. How are people complaining about this? This is how Thomas, this is how you rewrite Canon. I fucking think it's genius. I think it was very good. And I, I remember seeing some people complain about how does he give away this much grace when, other angels lose their grace and it's a problem. I'm like, first of all, he's Michael, which gives him kind of a leg up. And second of all, he even says it in this episode that the other angels, even from this universe are so insignificant to him. They're weaker. All of the other angels, even our Lucifer, who was the biggest bad guy around and him and Lucifer and him and our Michael were perhaps comparable. He's working. Michael is so much stronger the rules are completely different with yes. him. Who yep. says he generates grace the same way as anybody else? Thank you, Thomas, because that's where I was going. He's from an alternate fucking He's dimension. He's working with magic that we don't even have any concept of at this point as fans. And yeah. to further build upon that idea or that notion they're going with, the fact that this could be something entirely different. Yes, he's an archangel, but his power is very different, apparently, than other archangels in this universe. And if you want to think they're just pulling shit out of their ass, they all they also kind of established that with Dark Kaya this week. Yeah. That the magic, magic that I here. need to go back doesn't work here. That now we suddenly understand that the physics of these universes are act different differently. Well, that's why the spear was the weapon that Michael feared and he wanted it off the board. The rules are different. different now. Yes. 
that's that's part of what we have to yeah, consider. I, I think people that are quick to complain about things like this, I I don't think they sit and actually analyze and and truly think it out. I think it's a knee jerk reaction. They're they're hate watching the show, and then they hit Twitter up and they start bitching with half assed, concocted theories. Obviously, some of their their complaints are valid. It's personal taste. But then there's things like that. It's like, that's not even a personal taste. Personal taste. That's you not paying attention to the fucking show. Yeah, it is. And it, it was. I'm calling him out, Thomas. I'm going to bring back the troll hunter. I'm feeling good about this season and nobody else can feel bad about it now. Okay. We control the, the, the thought consensus around every the season. The zeitgeist. Yes. That's ours. <laughs> and see, the thing is like, again, it, it wasn't trying to shock you it's michael doesn't care like the way that he explained why he left dean alone temporarily was both simple and effective and kind of dark at the same time saying that dean was resisting too much he was squirming he was annoying it made it difficult or uncomfortable for michael to go about his business and so he pulled a, a bait and switch let him get comfortable and then slap like sucker punch Really? Which is very consistent with what the cosmic entity has in store for Castiel. Right. Which also fits. Yeah. That threat can come from anywhere. And I I did like that because it shows Dean as a his character, his resolve to to not give up, that he was constantly fighting against Michael yeah. that entire time. Yeah. And now he had to be broken break his will like that's way back to season four or five I love level it. shit it's so sad so dark and so good and it also strengthens the idea that being possessed is is fucked up which again dean talks about directly to castiel prior to it happening that michael deliberately wants him to feel like he is drowning beneath the water to make him hurt the entire time and, and because we know that's not needed we yeah. know from Gadriel in season nine that you can do it to where Sam thinks he's in some sort of dream state or Cass and Jimmy Novak have a little bit more of a partnership while he was still around. Even though it was being strapped to a comet, he, he it wasn't malicious. Even Lucifer allowed Cass to get lost. Yeah. He didn't inflict pain or try to drown him. Try and smother it, him and erase his identity completely. Yeah, that's why I'm saying that Michael is just a bad seed. This Michael is a bad seed. It goes far beyond just simply, hey, you're – that's why I know I agree with what you said about we're just – we're very insignificant and we're like bugs. But there's also something very malicious to all of his actions. He mm-hmm. hates – he hates everyone. Oh, that reminds me. Yes, the the he hates humanity so yeah. entirely that he doesn't. He's our Lucifer. He hated humanity. Yeah, I mean, he's just a bad dude. Yeah, and like somebody else. Uh, this is just kind of a quick tangent, but mm-hmm. somebody else because you brought that up that he hates humanity. Someone's saying, "Why is he? Is Michael even bothering with this monster thing? Why couldn't he just smite the whole city from on high?" And I'm like. He literally said he that. He explained it. He, like, come on, guys. When you're like, I'm yelling at this person who's not a fan. I can tell. Right. It, well, you're literally watching the episode in which he says, "I tried that. It didn't work." And humanity rose up and were a pain in my ass. So and, if I do this tidal wave of bloodshed and can control each one of them, he doesn't want 
obliteration. He wants control. Assimilation. Assim- thank you. That's, That's a, a great word for it. And I mean, talk about talk about a beautiful analogy with today's politics and what's going on yep. overseas and what uh, many governments do to the local peoples. Um, very instead of going in there with guns blazing, they try to dilute their culture. Yep. To where Erase they it. to where they don't even know it's the fucking they're board. being uh, they're being assimilated. Or they don't even know that they don't even realize they're being invaded. And that's essentially what Michael is doing. City by city. I think it's fucking genius. Because then when humans do, there's no resistance to build when there's no one left. Yeah. I I still would like to find out exactly why he wants to do this. Like, what's his purpose? I get if it's just sheer hatred, let's say. Okay. Well, because that was Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to erase humanity because he felt like humanity was a plague on an otherwise beautiful planet. He was more jealous, though, right? Because it always a came mix, down to, a mix. Yeah, he and, was angry that God loved humans more when they were disgusting and filth and and a cancer on the planet. Yeah, and and it comes down to this one thought. And sometimes, what seems like a simpler decision is actually a more thought out and detailed one. And that's why all of this air quotes here, predictability all mm-hmm. worked in tandem to create a pretty powerful mid-season finale. Also, the mid-season finale isn't where we want the twist. No. You want that, the finale, the season finale, where you're like, the fuck? And you always want the, the twist and the shiver at the end. You want the cl- the climax <laughs> at the end. You don't finish halfway through. What are no. you doing? Yeah, come Some on. Some rookie shit. Yeah, come on, people. Speaking of finish, Michael as a whole, that whole concept, though, I can't really be much longer. No. And and the only reason we say that is simply because they've told us. Again, yeah. the, the the news being spoilers and spoilers being the news. In between my lunch breaks, I decided to do some <laughs> PR with E on that. They're gracious to us. They use the... They with give every, you free food? With every interview. In every interview I grant them, they give me a free sub. <laughs> <laughs> but we to and Andrew Dabb's point right there we know that he talked about Michael not being the big bad this season and with whatever the fuck's going on with Lucifer and Nick and co- possibly Abraxas and the cosmic entity being woken up mm-hmm. all that shit of the, the entity the body rising out of the muck with Nick in unhuman nature that's there's some that's the bigger thing at play so I really don't think Ultimately, Michael's going to have much more time. His plan has been revealed. We know what he wants. He's got control of Dean again. He's he, yeah, he does. He snapped his fingers to unleash the horde, which a lot of people were like, "Whoa, it's a Thanos snap, motherfucker!" Angels have been doing that since season four. Is that what people are saying too? I saw people it's like he did a Thanos snap. Ha, can, ha, I'm ha. Like Thanos Lucifer snap did them. that since season five. Don't even act like that's Thanos's thing. Yeah. Okay. If God anything, Thanos copied Lucifer. He did, dude. Yeah. He fucking Why absolutely stealing did. stealing our shit, Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I do agree with the fact that the Michael situation can't possibly be, you know, dragged out There's no real longer. suspense for it anymore. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. As you mentioned with Nick, Abraxas, the cosmic entity situation is all bo- brewing. And a part of me would actually enjoy seeing the Michael situation come to a close because of those other elements. And again, that would be cool. Uh, and it looks like my, my hopes and wants are aligned with dab because he specifically stated, as you said, that uh, Michael is not the big bad of the season. So, you know, from a rating, from a, from a writing standpoint, 
this would be a better decision. The cause and effect. It would justify the numerous plot details circling if they were to connect Lucifer's implied return and the potential introduction of this Abraxas. Again, we're assuming that they're leading us to Abraxas, but I think it's safe. It's a safe assumption, Thomas, because mm-hmm. uh, they specifically said his name and, yeah, drew, they, out and they drew attention to it. So uh, with this potential introduction of Abraxas and Michael's growing power and his interference with a world that he should have nothing to do he's with. He's been sticking his dick in it. It's all cause and effect. His actions is what causes his age, this ancient power to stir. I'm, I'm hoping this is the direction they go. And when you combine this with the unnaturalness of Jack, which they drove home that point, yep. everything can easily fall back into themselves. Well, between season 13 with death saying it's a house of cards and Michael wanting to, yes. to stomp all over this other world that's not his... With the MT being upset that Jack has un, un awoken it and fucked up the balance of how things are supposed to be, with Lucifer now or or Nick talking through that veil to either Lucifer or Braxis, we're not hundred percent certain as to what that is. There's a lot of cosmic level shakeup, cause and effect, and, and things that shouldn't be happening are happening. Yeah, and I think you're right to have. Whether it was Abraxas or Lucifer Reborn or something come out and completely annihilate Michael as in a way of you need to stop because you're fucking things up that you don't understand and that becoming the new threat, it's a it's a great way to finish what we currently have going on without having retread ground where we see Sam and Dean and, and the brothers unite to defeat someone who's far power, more powerful than them. Yeah. We've seen that. I mean, this episode was starting to be what they tried to do with the Leviathans in season seven. We're going to sneak in. We're going to stab him with a special weapon, and that'll be it. We've seen that before. So if something else, though, some other player came onto the field, tell me that wouldn't be an epic introduction as well. Yeah. And, and everything's working in that direction, you know, and that's really why I like what they're doing with this season once again, because everything matters. There is no... Asmodeus situation. Yeah. There's no Shadim. Shadim situation. Everything that's there that's been stated this season is being used. And this is what they did with Dark Kaya, too. Probably the greatest example of that. Uh, th- yes, absolutely. Taking a loose end from last season and made use of it by making her spear a threat to Michael. It, it's all working. Now, the fact that so with her spear being the threat to Michael right. and that kind of being her mainstay, they, they, I think this episode they did a good job of wrapping giving her more yeah. and wrapping that up because she yeah. couldn't just be the girl holding the weapon that and that's be, that, it. That would That'd be, be fucking stupid. That would be horrible. Well, because I was I was a little afraid of that. Like I'm like, yeah. all right, this season is 100 percent so far. Please don't make Dark Kai only relevant conveniently because she has the weapon to defeat Michael. There's got to be a bigger story. And yeah. thankfully they, they, well, they're taking, at that, they're right? taking steps this, this to make, yes, this episode took steps to make that a factor. The fact that she, she was a plot device character. She had the MacGuffin, the thing you needed, but at the same time, they make her more important by having Castile deliberately call out. You want to go back 
You came here for a reason, yet you want to go back, which means you have a much bigger reason. Something has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your story is more nuanced than what we were originally led to believe. He might as well have said that. Yeah, because if that's all she was, she would have been but the fucking literally she, the postal service was that she, <laughs> for the McGuff, egg McMuffin. She, that's all you needed her to be. Then she would have been um, Gabriel or Asmodeus or the Shadim. It would have been irrelevant, irrelevant, and just a plot device to get a spear or a weapon that could offer some type of hope to us as an audience and to our heroes. And it just would have been, it would have fizzled and it would have been very poor, but instead by going at it, this approach by making her, her story relevant. Mm -hmm. And honestly, um, because we get that idea that she's running from something, well, they tied into the same theme that we've had this whole season, which is fear. She's afraid of something because i can't buy for a second she's just like oh these monsters have been hunting me non-stop yeah you're used to that that yeah, was your 24 7 yeah look at you're a badass you can kill people easily even if that was the reason that that you know the other place better i don't see that being a reason why you would give up the spear to the guy you clearly don't trust so there has to be something else with that her her reasoning has evolved because there has to be something bigger going on with her. The, yeah. the idea of why is she here? Why did she deliberately come over? It wasn't like she got ripped and pulled through the wormhole, the, the rip in reality, and is forced to be here. She made a choice. Mm-hmm. So how is that going to play into this season, her character moving forward? There has to be a, bit, a bigger reason, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to have that play into things moving forward you with think the rest of the season. You think it's going to be connected to like a Braxis cosmic entity, Lucifer, allegedly Lucifer's return. You think it's going to be connected to all of that? I'm not certain if it's certain if it's going to be coll- collected and connected to all of that deliberately, but I think it will be a reason as to why whatever happens. You think it'll all eventually align together? Kaya is another reason things are falling apart. She shouldn't be here. Michael shouldn't be here. Yep. You shouldn't be awake in the empty. All these things shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So she's going to be another factor, but I think her personal story might yeah. be a little bit more of her own fear-based reasoning. Maybe if she, like like Michael came here to find a place he could conquer, maybe Kaya came here to find a place that would be safe for whoever her people are that she referred to. Yeah, whatever it is, though, it can't be a subplot that doesn't factor yeah. into our main story in some way. That is not It's not that type of show. So if they do give her her own little story it will definitely it'll matter it'll circle back especially if if because we get a little bit of an explanation on how she was able to open the portal to this universe yep and that she knows she needs the help of jack yeah she does (laughs) i ship the two of them what is that jaya uh yes no good um what did we say jack No, it was Jaya, right? Jaya. Oh, no, I'm Jaya. Remember yeah, Ryan I think so. with yeah. his tech support last week? <laughs> oh, no, this is Jaya. Yeah, I... um, But she knows she needs his help. Thomas, don't interrupt me. I'm oh, talking sorry, about shipping them. Sorry, sorry. Why do you got to ruin my train of thought here? I'm, talk, I'm thinking Continue sexual thoughts Continue your fan fiction. Here. Sorry. Yeah, so um, Jack is all set to receive from Kaya. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. But that that simple explanation as well, that she needs his help because her magic doesn't work here, again, explains why the spear was so important, explains why Michael can do things other angels previously would have taken them off the playing field entirely. And it works because 
it expands on the alternate reality lore a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it shows us that these alternate realities are not simply bizarre worlds, but they could also be just on a cosmic, fundamental, molecular level. They're just different. Yeah. I mean, that's really what we we first glimpsed that with the thing. Yeah. There's this Lovecraftian Cthulhu-esque entity that doesn't die floating around in space. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad they're actually fleshing that idea out because I was grateful when they explained that Kaya's magic or the magic they used in the other universe doesn't work here because it just it makes the idea of these alternate realities that much more interesting. I feel like palpable if, too. Yes, and more realistic because I always talk about this is going on a tangent here, but I always talk about alternate realities. Mm-hmm. On all of the other shows that we... When you get high. Yes, mostly when I get high. <laughs> um, no, I talk about alternate realities, and my biggest issue with them is that they just don't make fucking sense. Right. Because one little ripple will change the entire thing. How does Sam and Dean actually exist? How does Mary actually exist? That means everything has to be aligned in some way for it all to be this alternate reality that's slightly different. How did we end up having a civilization similar to the one we have here on our earth. Mm-hmm. One little thing can completely derail and change everything. And that's why I like the idea of alternate realities being governed by fate. Like what they did with, with, la- with, with the explanation of last season and in explaining how this is what the world would look like without Sam and Dean. Uh, not only is that a beautiful preview uh, to frame a world without Sam and Dean, it's just awesome to show just what they have done for this world. But it also explains the differences and and explains away those issues that I have with the with the concept of alternate realities. Mm-hmm. But now with this, it suddenly changes everything. The the entire nature of of physics may operate completely different. You know, the nice thing too is that it it fixes not fixes because there's never a problem, but it makes the French mistake makes so much more sense. I too. agree. I agree. I do love that the fact that magic doesn't even exist there at all yeah it's a completely different reality I, it, that's why thomas i feel like this episode is not getting enough credit because there's so many cool thoughts that you can glean yeah. from this it just works yeah now the holiday season guys is right around the corner we're like 10 days less than before that so with that, we are giving away Supernatural The Crossroads t-shirts when you pledge $10 or more a month in December. That is right. With $10 or more a month, you will receive a free Crossroads t-shirt. And if you pledge before December 24th, you will receive a free Supernatural Trivial Pursuit game courtesy of USAopoly. Again, supplies are very limited with that, so do not wait. The shirt and game will be delivered to you after the first payment is processed. So you will receive the video cast and podcast retrospective, the specialty discussions, the monthly bonus Crossroads podcast, the pre-show, the cinematography of Supernatural, the 10 minutes oh. mini cast keeps going with the t-shirt and the Trivial Pursuit game, all when you pledge $10 or more a month. Because we're givers. We're givers. You get to receive, just lean back. Oh. Yes, we will do all the work. And there's a little bit of money involved, so it might even be considered well, prostitution. We're more whores. But we we're don't, lore whores. We don't judge. We don't. For those talent sexuals out there, yes, head on over to patreon.com slash Rain Man Digital. 
All right. So keeping with the lore horror concept for a moment, there was a little bit of a, a subtle explanation, perhaps, perhaps behind. And this is a little bit of our own very speculative crossroads speculation. Let's you know jerk ourselves off for a minute. Hypothesis, if you will. There might be some reason as to why angels are such dickholes in this universe. And that simply well, could angels be, in general. Why are they dicks? Why are angels dicks? And that kind of came about with the explanation between Michael and Jack, that little exchange where she said that once he really understands. It's not a she, it's a he. Tom. Once Michael said to Jack, <laughs> when you really understand your place in the universe, how important, how powerful you are, your concept of reality, of time, you'll begin to become more like me. And that, if you if you go down that route for a little bit, thinking about that, the passing of time for any other entity ends the species, ends the dinosaurs. Mountains have grown. Oceans have changed. Continents look completely fucking different. All of that has changed over the millennia, over the millions of years. But the one thing that stayed the same was the angels. The, the idea that it's, I, I kind of got it like somebody talking to somebody who owned a pet fish. Right. You may love that fish with all your heart, but eventually it will go away and your life will move on. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, that's it, essentially what Michael was saying. He said he was having the conversation when your first pet dies to a kid who, who doesn't know any better. It's a really patronizing way to do it for something as important as his relationship is to Sam, Dean, and Castiel. But regardless, though, that's it does, his point. Yes, it gives us insight into the into the mind and how they think that their perspective. Because we have we we have come across angels before, and they have also had a very dismissive tone about humans. That's nothing new, right? Right. Not since the but, first introduction. But we've never had a conversation like this where it was such a disregard. For human existence on every level. Not even God comes into play. Because that's one thing that kept the other angels in the in, earlier in seasons line. in line was God's plan. They still wanted to toe the line. So this complete disregard from hu for human existence, possibly it has to do with their own life expectancy. Uh, their superiority over us is warranted based on what? Our short existence? I mean... It's it's very much the Lord of the Rings concept with with the elves. Why would you do yeah. anything for a human whose lifespan is the blink of an eye for you? Yeah. When anything they do, any achievements they have, any meaning will be gone. Yeah. And you will still be here. Exactly. I like that comparison that you used. You when we were talking off air, you used that. Yeah. And it's a great way to add a little bit more insight to this little exchange between Michael and Jack. And, you know, Thomas, we could be reaching a bit. We could, yeah. But there's got to be something there regardless that I think, we can pull from that conversation because they're not going to add that type of conversation there for no reason. It makes no. me think that they're possibly setting up a new narrative direction for Jack. Not saying he's going to go down the... He's gonna, not going to be evil, but... Yeah, but, but there's something... Will he reconsider his relationship with them? Right. Exactly. That's what I feel. You don't have, you don't take 45 to 90 seconds 
for this type of scene for it not to mean something, especially when you're dealing with a season like this where everything is important. There is no throwaways like we've had in yeah. season 12 and season 13. Everything matters. So it leads me to think that that conversation in some way will come back. Well, I think also even if it 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 has to call come back with Jack, it does because they've done a great job, as you yeah. said, with everything being important this season. This is another episode where we don't see ancillary characters in the bunker, just the relevant ones and catch on the phone. They're out hunting. Sam needs some masturbation space. So he's all like, you know what, guys, go go, (laughs) go fucking hunt. I think there's a rug. You guys are literally on me. I need some privacy. I need some alone time. Okay, to watch some (laughs) porn. Yes, I do that. Even though I pretend I don't. I get mad at Dean. All of you guys go hunt some Rugaroos. Go hunt some Rugaroos. Just anything. Go to the store. First one back with a Rugaroos head is loses because you need to stay gone. (laughs) So get get the most heads you can. Daddy needs some me time. <laughs> but I think, yes, we might be reaching. But even then, that statement can still feed into a psychological standpoint for the angels as to why they are the way they are. When it's sometimes re- reaching ripping, is okay. Thomas. When you're ripping off Tolkien, you're probably doing a pretty good job. Yeah, as far as narrative goes and reasoning behind an entire race's borderline racism. Yeah. There's a reason as to that. I think I think that is whether or not official, it can be used as credence for why they do the things they do. I wouldn't call it racism. I'd call it species speciesism. 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 There we speciesism. go. Speciesism. But you know, the one example or the one exception to that always has been Castiel, and he has been absolutely fucking perfect this season. Right. Dude, I've I'm so happy with how after watching so many years of Castiel fuck up, frankly, like we're just not really doing anything. Bungle around yeah. and not be super relevant and he's fun and we love him, but he's he wasn't that important. Finding certain reasons as to why he's there but not useful, this season has done a great fucking job. He's not just spinning his wheels. They've managed to make him a relevant part of the team. Yeah. Jesus Christ. In I'm such so happy. an important way, both from his perspective, his ties to heaven and Naomi, the cosmic entity is directly related to him and everything that's going on there. And, you know, despite understanding what the writers were attempting to do with him throughout those several years, we talked about Superman syndrome since we started, since we this, started show. this show. Yeah. Jesus Christ. We, we've talked about it for years. We understood what they were doing. And with last season, and especially this season, though, Castiel doesn't feel like a distraction. No. He feels much more like he did in his initial run during seasons four and even to six, I'd say, where he's heavily connected to the myth arc. He is a driving factor on this ship. The story is always about Sam and Dean, yes, but Castiel, if you take Castiel out of the story... The entire narrative changes now. Yes. And it's not just some useless subplot or submission that the writers decide to put him on. This is directly in parallel to what's actually happening, happening, what's unfolding, what's going to no doubt rear its ugly head later down the road. That's ultimately going to affect Sam and Dean. And that's why Castiel, for me, and I agree with you, Thomas Castiel. This is the strongest season in years yeah. for him. And again, it has nothing to do with with dislike. We love Misha Collins's Castiel. Mm-hmm. We never want him to go away as long as they make him work. I know Ryan has other thoughts, not because he thinks 
he sucks is because he feels like it's time for people to die once in a while. And, Which we're starting to get that too. Right. And, and I don't think Cassiel needs to die, but if you're going to have him here, don't distract us with yeah. these weird stories be, that feel like you're trying to justify why he's here opposed to having him here because yeah. it's justifiable. Yeah. It should never be, what can we do with Cass this week? It should be, okay, here's the part of the story that involves Cass that needs to be told. And dealing with the cosmic yeah. entity situation the way they did in the last episode was another great example of the writers dealing with loose ends that were brought up in season 13 and connecting them to the main myth arc, the main story in a way that works. And using that dark depression cloud that constantly seems to loom over Eeyore that is storm cloud Castiel it's a great way to do that because it keeps us invested yeah it keeps us watching and knowing that this the viper is out there waiting to strike at any moment makes every scene where Castiel's that heartwarming scene with Jack and Cass at the heaven cereal I'm like don't you fucking smile dude the entity's gonna show up and just kill you right fucking now he should never smile never smile always be sad Drink con no, don't drink. That'll make you happy. Um does this mean the cosmic entity is no longer able to sleep? Like it, now I think that that's he the awoke? idea, dude. Okay. I think the because when it going back and rewatching that episode, it's talking and, and acting kind of erratic. Like someone jittery, who hasn't like somebody slept. who's fucking cracked out or, yep. or hasn't slept or yep. is manic. I think because in the beginning when we first saw it, it was like pissed off but controlled. This has broken into heaven hunting one guy, erratically talking, erratic maneuvers and smiles. I think it's it's losing its mind, essentially. God, that'd be cool. That'd be fucked up. Yeah. That'd be powerful. That'd be some dark shit. But I'm looking forward to that. And I, and I do think that's why, you know, leading cred- credibility to our own concept, Michael's probably going to run out here as far as plot device goes and have this other darker force be a main villain for the rest of the season we're already halfway through almost yep just about so and with that with all of that being said this episode i think does deserve some technical kudos for the visual effects this week Mm -hmm. between the werewolves which garth's shot was awesome dude we've never seen that type of transformation before I liked that. It was fucking cool, man. I was like, that's fucking, that's unsettling. Well, the cool the way thing his too, eyes were bulging, the distortion yeah. of his face, and then the fangs that came out, the teeth, how his jaw also popped out. We actually saw it. Dude, that was really cool. And I was, you know, and I know the visual, I don't want to say the visual effects are hit or miss. They're not. Um, but it goes back to what we usually say with the earlier seasons. Sometimes more subtle approaches are more effective than the big elaborate shots. Right. And this is an example of that. Well, I think the cool thing is like with the first werewolf with his teeth in the beginning, I was a little hit or miss on that very I first one. I think it's one. him though, the actor. I the, think it was more him. The guy like, had a weird jaw set. Yeah, maybe. he was like that even. He had a weird like overbite or underbite. I'm not certain. Or his mouth kind of stuck out like the, pre- not the predator, like the alien. Because yeah. if you go back and watch the episode, because I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, like this looks odd. It, it looks odd. It looks off. Like they don't and fit 
in his mouth yes, so much. Yes, it, it looked strange. But then when he was just walking around and there was no visual effects or any type of practical effects. Yeah, like that sinister he, smile and he, he still like an had underbite a weird thing fi- yes. going on. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it an underbite. It looked like the alien, <laughs> you know, with a little mouth that comes out of the mouth. <laughs> Maybe so it was I, that. I, I think it's the dude himself. But but you're right though with Garth. Garth's transformation was was Fucking cool, dope, and I liked. Dude. It felt so much more animalistic. Yep. Because it wasn't just the teeth; it was the claws and the eyes, and he looked like he was sweating and 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 fighting against it, and it just felt more visceral. Yep. I loved that. It was really good. But my absolute favorite moment was when Castiel got the shit knocked out of him, dude. That stunt work it was that amazing. was amazing it was dope when he hit all three like the corner both sides of the wall and the floor i was like fuck dude, ow those were real hits dude dude you felt that you heard yeah there's that. no way they they uh green screened the walls in. no he was no and, no no that was legit yeah because they can do that they can jerk him in a, in, yeah. a, in the right way with uh with wire work but and then a green screen the wall with yeah, a plate dude, after the, the fact he hit three walls and then, and hit then the, the ground. ground. That oh. was some, I think that's some of the best stunt wire work we have seen he, on the show. He spun perfectly too. I love that. It felt because so, so many times when they throw them, you're like, and they fall to the ground and then it's very slide. Simple. Yeah. But like even Sam hits that truck with full force it and then crashes to the ground. Yeah. Castiel bounces the sound design cracking his nose as he's getting punched in the face by Michael. The sound design also was, was great with that, but yep. that wall bit, I, I backed it up a I couple think of that times because that favorite, was fucking painful looking. I think that might be my favorite stunt work dude of the last oh, two years. Yeah. Easy. There was, wait, easy. there was that one season where was it last year where, where Sam shot from the Impala as it was swerving. That was, was that last, last year. That was pretty, that fucking, was pretty fucking cool. That was awesome. And then also had the vampire head getting blown up in the cave. Yeah. By the so there's a couple really cool. But Maybe but, we're exaggerating the best in years, but this okay, was but fucking that, good. It, it, you <laughs> felt this one. The other one, here's the thing. The other two were very cool shots. This was well done stunt, like one person doing that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like it kind of splitting hairs, but I don't even know. Do you think Misha was on those wires? I don't know. Do dude. Think, it kind of looked like do you him. Think, uh, I'd the, have to go back frame by frame. Would even al- and the, or the insurance companies would even allow them to put him on wires and throw him across like three walls. <laughs> Guys, I'm doing this. All right. Probably not, but he's seen, he's game, right? Let's do it. Well, Fuck it. Hey, Misha, you always want to perform, right? Now's your chance. He's a true actor. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to beat the crap out of you. Just throw him against three walls. Oh, Dude, that was cool, though. Even if it was a stunt guy. Kudos I mean, to the stunt guy. Oh, yeah. That doesn't look... I already, I've already. worked with a lot of stunt guys, and I already know that the reason why they move away from a lot of these physical stunts is because not only are they dangerous, but they're just fucking painful. They hurt. And, and you and they pay can, for you years it down the road, much like football players. You know, they can't yeah. live a normal life. So a lot of these stunt guys are, are the same way. So that's why they've pulled away from a lot of these physical stunts, but... Well, I mean, if you fuck it up too, you you set everything behind. Like when yeah. Jared even hurt his shoulder goofing around in the beginning of season. Oh, I thought he was on crack that, that season. <laughs> so stupid. Remember, people got mad. We said yeah, that. Yeah. Or you guys, fans, are enemies of the show. Oh my god. I'm, I'm sorry. Enemy for of the state. A joke. Yeah. But it it was a lot of things. It was some of the visual effects. It was the stunt team. It was the cinematography as well, which we praise that a lot. Yeah. But 
it was it was interesting to see this week the deliberate choice to go to the recycling plant. Yeah. Is that what it was? It was a recycling plant. Oh, I thought yeah. it was a garbage dump. No, it was, it was recycled. You could see all the plastic jugs. And that's they, where they Kaya that. was at, right? But that's where she's yeah. hiding out. And setting it's, setting can be used and interpreted in different ways. It can be used for the plot. It can be a reason as to why it says something about the character that's there. It says something about where their character's emotional state may be. But sometimes it adds to the overall motif there's and and it's, and it's very interpretive. It, it is, could mean something. Sometimes the the writers are trying to say something, or not the writers, the director and S- and production uh, designer, production designer, art department. They're all trying to say something that fits the script. You're not mm-hmm. going to put something that's purposely contradicting the actual narrative, right? But yeah, I. I, I I like the choice of setting, but for me, I think the strength of that entire scene was the use of the evenly distributed light or diffuse lighting. And I thought that was a great way to try and translate Dean's emotional state via, you know, visual, visual cues. I mean, typically we get a lot of, a lot of different harsh color temperatures this is something we've, we've spoken about a lot, especially in our retrospectives mm-hmm. when we have scenes like, like this with Dean, but instead they chose to go with a daylight color balance bulbs with no use of negative fill. And they went with the diffuse look to show us that Dean is, is balanced that psychologically or emotionally he's balanced and feels good because well, that he was says specifically, it right before he goes in. Yeah. You know. So I like when they use cinematography to match what the person is either feeling or actually verbally stating. Right. A good comparison to that. You know, when we look back at season 13 with that that cave and tunnel system that was just pitch black and yeah, so, hunting with just so your good. flashlight. Oh, that was a Barron's episode, too. It was a Barron's episode, too. He 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 writes he episodes that allow <laughs> the art department and the lighting team to really get behind yeah. the script and, and make it their own with cinematographer and, and all that. It, it works. Mm-hmm. works very, very well. So I think with that, it's about time we get into the final thoughts. Mike, what are your final thoughts on this episode? Okay, um, A plus episode again. Okay. Is this the most A plus episodes we've given in a while? I think so. Yeah, I feel like it's an A plus episode, and despite the fact that there's people online saying it was a little lackluster, a little anticlimactic, I I feel completely the opposite. And I think that if you go back and since episode one of this season, and you go back and see everything they're doing, everything's purposely laid out. And it all leads to this moment. Nothing is there for no reason. Everything matters and it makes it work. And the fact that people are saying, oh, it's predictable. Predictability was the whole point of the episode. And if you didn't understand that, then you're not watching the show. The whole idea that they even had the whole that fun moment with the overcranked camera shot and the Christmas song, uh, the Beethoven Symphony, what, number nine? Uh, Ode to Joy, yeah. And they had Sam and Dean and Kaz and Jack all say, we know what's about to happen. It's a trap. And they all went in anyways. The whole episode was written with that theme in mind. Predictability. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a well-written episode. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it wasn't about trying to surprise us with a mid-season finale, as it was to say, you don't need to be surprised, you just need to know you're going to lose. And I think that's very in line with Michael's character. 
Lucifer's the trickster. Lucifer's the the one who never lies, but you didn't see it coming, and he screwed you over. Michael's just very matter of fact, and I like that difference with him as a villain. You know, a little bit of a pat on the back to ourselves because I like that we accurately described what Michael's plan was going to be and the fact that he left the back door open (laughs) for Dean. And it, it worked in multiple different ways. The Christmas theme was also kind of fun. I liked seeing Garth back in a way that didn't feel contrived. So... All of it, the the biggest thing is that all of these pieces throughout the season have been rewarding. They all built up, and I knew where we were going. With season 13, I didn't know what was in store, and it was a big shocking moment, but I had no fucking idea what was going to be the rest of the season. We had no idea other than Jack was a central point. Season 12, the mid-season finale with the President of the United States was just dumb. Oh, (laughs) come on, Thomas. As kind of dumb, but Lotus is fucking clever. Uh huh. You don't get it. Oh, I get it. You don't get it. You can still get stupid Replace stuff. Replace the P with the L. We all get fart jokes. You get it, Mike. <laughs> but this episode, everything led up to a place that, while not surprising, all worked for the story. It's a chapter that I'm like, oh fuck, yeah, I knew this was going to happen, but it's still nice to see that. I think. Today's day and age has too much of trying to surprise everybody. Every cliffhanger episode, everything has to be a shock to the point that nothing is anymore. So for this, it was an A episode for me as well. So with that, guys, we are almost halfway through Supernatural season 14. <laughs> we will have with the midseason. I'm not sure if we'll do it for this because it's the midseason or when ten episode 10 actually comes out, we're going to do a whole Patreon episode, our yeah. quarterly wrap-up discussion. That's when we'll do it. But either way, head on over to Patreon.com if you want more content for the rest of this year. If you want to get your hands on that Supernatural Trivial Pursuit game mm. for the holiday season, enjoy your holiday. We will see you all in about a month. Yeah. Later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt. 